It's another Sunday night watching the superstars fight. You know it's what we love to do. Talking about NXT or WWE, and we can't forget about AEW. Viewers' choice on the North South Coast. Viewers' choice on the North South Coast. Viewers' choice on the North South Connection. North South Connection podcast listeners, welcome to the late edition of Viewer's Choice, uh, covering the most exciting event in Philly since, I don't know, Red October, so it's only like a day (laughs) or so, Uh, Extreme Rules 2022, uh, live from the Wells Fargo Center in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I, it is beautiful this time of year. I'm uh, Tim, and I'm joined, as always, with the co-host of WWE War here on the North-South Connection every other Saturday with uh, the, the papa of uh, the no-so, JT. Uh, it's Marcus. Marcus, how are you, sir? How are you feeling after some extreme rules? Uh, I'm feeling uh, extremely happy actually <laughs> um yeah yeah what what a nice show and uh, i'm very happy to be here with you uh talking some wrestling talking a little bit of uh, kind of instant reaction uh not super instant uh a little delayed i guess and uh yeah for the listening audience uh we're making a much more concerted effort to uh bring me and tim to you on a consistent basis uh a lot of these saturday wb events are uh running side by side with uh some of my uh bookings with Wayne Enterprises as Tim likes to say. You know. It's, so I'm not yeah. saying that you're Batman, but I've never seen you and Batman in the same room. Saturday's so, a very, very busy, very busy wrestling day. Um, a lot of crime fighting in Gotham City to do. Yeah, so it might be a little bit of a norm us coming to you a, a day or two later, but uh, we want to make sure that it is me and me and Tim uh, bringing this to you. And of course, uh, Tim has always been great about finding fill-ins. So appreciate you on that and appreciate everybody who has sat in. But uh, yeah, we're going to try to make sure that uh, this is the two man team moving forward. Uh, That's right. We're the triple triple H and stone cold Steve Austin of this, except ain't none of us pulling our quad or getting ran over by a car. Hopefully, you know, as is the way, but, um, and it's kind of nice to have this, um, this is about as close as I'm going to get to a Harshi on this, but with oh. with these later released uh, viewers' choices, where you're off Cape Crusading, um, we get to come to this with a little bit more post nut clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. that's the only thing I can think of. Like it's a a, re- a relation. Like usually when we're doing this, it is very much it happened. We have to talk about it. And now, like, we've had a sleep. We've had breakfast. We're like, the sun is out as opposed to, like, the moon is out. So uh, it is definitely nice to have a lot of thoughts we had congeal. And if there was something that happened at an event like this, I don't know if there was anything that was, like, go back and watch this two, three, four times. Uh, mm-hmm. But if there was, we have that opportunity. Um, oh, there's that word again. There is that word again. So if this is your first time listening to Viewer's Choice, Marcus and I take the WWE, AEW, and um, sometimes possibly NXT, depending on how important NXT gets again. And uh, we tell you what's must watch, what's must skip, and who the MVP of the night is. And Extreme Rules, a very, very tight Six match card. Uh, Marcus, do you have the rundown? Absolutely do. Uh, first up, we have the Brawling Brutes defeating Imperium. We uh, And that, of course, was the good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Uh, I think we're going to talk about that pretty quickly. Uh, we have Ronda Rousey uh, defeating Liv Morgan to regain the SmackDown's Women's Championship. And that was an Extreme Rules match. Uh, Killer Karrion Cross defeats Drew McIntyre uh, in a strap match. Bianca Belair retains her Raw Women's Championship in a ladder match over Bailey. Finn Balor defeats Edge in an I Quit match. And Matt Riddle defeats Seth Rollins inside of the fight pit. Yeah, that is, I mean, like like I mentioned before, very tight uh, six-match card. 
Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start in the good or start in the bad? Uh, I want to start in the good, and I want to start with this Brook match, man. Um, dog, I absolutely love this match. Um, I don't know where it's going to rank in like best matches of the year, but as far as like most enjoyable matches of the year, this is going to finish very high. Uh, especially on this card, this was the only, make sure I have my stats right here, but yeah, this was the only multi-man match of the evening, uh, and they really made the most of it. Uh, there was nothing like this on the whole card. Um, it was complete chaos from start to finish. Uh, fists were, f- were flying. There was a couple live rounds being thrown. A couple strays got caught. Uh, man, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I think the WWE product, um, because it is, uh, you know, the top of the top, right? It's a, you know, multi-billion dollar. Right. It's, it's, it's got a lot of polish to it. Uh, sometimes it's good to, you know, just let things kind of live as they live. Uh, and if it doesn't turn out perfect, sometimes that's even better. Um, and that was kind of this match. Um, wasn't always pretty. And um, I don't think it should have It should have been. Uh, so, yeah, I loved everything about this match. I thought it was, was dope and... You know, I really wish uh, they would have flipped the Intercontinental title back a couple times with uh, Walter and Sheamus to make this a little bit more of a uh, even and heated contest uh, between the two groups. But even without that, uh, I really enjoyed this match. I did, too. Um, and I think it really piggybacks off of the backs of Gunther and Sheamus not taking anything away. From Kaiser and and Vinci and Butch and even Ridge Holland, who I'm Mm -hmm. not the biggest fan of. Um, It's really Seamus and Gunther doing their thing. And then the other the other pieces playing their roles to a T. Um, I thought that match structure was superb in this. Um the dissection of the brawling brutes by Imperium yep. isolating one member at a time until Seamus literally hulks out and just does the thing. Right. Um, fantastic. Um, I'm glad that it wasn't Gunther that took the fall, even though I fully suspected he was going to take the fall. Um, but they're like sneakily making Gunther a low-key challenger for Roman Reigns down the line. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, with with the latest like like the Papa H inspired WWE, um, the emphasis on Intercontinental and United States champions being strong, the stronger they get, the more in tune they can be to challenge Roman down the line. Right. Yeah. And so. Even though Gunther and his team lost, it's still a strong effort. This match was awesome. I think we actually had a first in WWE history. And we actually had the LED board on the outside, like, fall. (laughs) Which was wild to me. I'm like, how were those falling? How did that Uh, fall? (laughs) Yeah, the thing that always happens happened, but it actually happened in a like not suspecting way. So on was- camera, like on the camera side, just <laughs> glaring me in the face uh, the yeah, entire was- match. It's one of those things that happened, and it wasn't perfect, but it-, it was better off for it. I think it was those stupid barrels because those were like shoot barrels. I think so. Yeah, and they're, the they're weight not of those barrels being knocked over tipped the weight of the the barricade. And, um, but yeah, I can't go anything. I can't say anything negatively about the, um, the good old fashioned Donnybrook, except for the name. Really? You didn't like the Donnybrook name? I think that calling it the good old fashioned Donnybrook match is almost too comedic for how bad these dudes beat each other up. Okay. Like this is the European bunkhouse match. Yeah. But you can't like Donnie Brook is very European, but also like for us stupid Americans, it's like, oh, um, you know, a pier six brawl. Like, yes, yeah, that's what this was. But no, it's all European dudes just beating each other up and being European. It was awesome. Um, it also reminded me that Seamus 
looks exactly the same as he did when he debuted 11 years ago. He looks better, man. It's 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 incredible. He's like less big. Yeah. But he's still huge. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's incredible how good Gunther looks against like a real like a Gunther-sized wrestler and not mm-hmm. having to wrestle these Pete Dunns and Ilya Dragunovs and Tyler Bates. No offense. But getting him there with like big man men makes those hard hitting matches even more be- even better. Yeah. Um I like the presentation of Sheamus now as like he's a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Like I like the respect that they are constantly putting on Sheamus. Uh even if he doesn't have a title moving forward, if they continue to present him as hey, this dude's still going, he's still as good as he ever was, but make no doubt about it, he's heading to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 accolades have already been uh, accumulated. Like, right. it, that's a really cool presentation uh, to have for somebody on the roster because mm-hmm. I don't think there's too many guys like that on the roster. Um, you know that you could say that about. So being able to kind of utilize that and play off their past history with Sheamus is is really cool. Right. Uh, what about you, Tim? Uh, where do you want to head next? Do you want to uh, make something must watch, must skip? I'm going to get the must skip right out of the way. All right, let's do it. And it's literally the next thing on the card. Yep. Ronda Rousey, live more. This doesn't do it for me, fam. First, like, I'm going to ask, I'm glad Corey Graves explained it away and actually told me what it was. But when I first saw Ronda Rousey's gear, I was like, oh, WWE's tap out sponsorship is done. So now they've come out with this new brand called Submit. Because Ronda's gear is just all big, bold, submit, submit, submit everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, it's like there would be tap out, submit. And then they're like, oh, no, it's they live inspired. And I'm like, I literally just watched this movie. Why didn't I get that? <laughs> um, but I think, it was because, I think it was because submit was in such big letters and everything else, or big, bold, white font. Mm-hmm. And everything else was like shaded and cloudy. Um but this, aside from the gear, and like I'm, I'm tongue in cheeking the, the the importance of the gear. The match was these they do not have chemistry. Mm. Um, it just doesn't work well. Um, and I don't want to put it all on Liv. Um, I think they're they're equal parts responsible for how not good mm-hmm. it was. Um, especially against everything else on the card. Everything else super delivered and this under delivered quite a bit, even though we've got Ronda Rousey in her natural state. As close as that is, just Liv doesn't know how to like. She doesn't seem as though there are at at times that she knows what it means to be a wrestler Mm -hmm. and move in the ring. It's it's working, right? Like, there's a difference between um, being a move doer and being a worker. They're two different things. And I think Liv Morgan is a pretty decent move doer. Um, yeah, hopefully they go back to the drawing board with her. I hate to see anybody be completely given up on. Um, you know, I think she did well when she was like in the Riot Squad. Um, Too bad the Riot Squad doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, but you know, there's 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 plenty of um other female talent on the roster. There's always NXT. Hopefully they go back to the drawing board with her. Um I hate to say like give her time off because she seems like she is somebody who is always getting time off to be freshened up and come back and she's still the same uncertain, unsure, incomplete character. Um, you know, even in the end here. You know, with Ronda really channeling a lot of the MMA uh, ability that she has, which was certainly a choice with the main event. Um, there's, again, this this goes back to like the working part. Like, there's ways to like counter and maneuver and try to survive things. And you know, she just didn't have it on this night. I thought. Um, so, and I thought. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad we're back uh, getting Ronda where she needs to be. I feel like they are not overnighting, but 
I think with having her get suspended, having her mostly do promos, um, we're getting back to where Ronda needs to be or mm-hmm. should be. Um, and it's, it's not an overnight thing. So I like that they're, they've kind of taken it week by week uh, with correct, course correcting Ronda. Um, you know, we've already talked about Liv. So uh, I am looking forward to what they're going to do with the SmackDown uh, women's title pitcher. Um, now that lives out of the way and, um, you know, I think we can get some, uh, you know, more believable challengers, uh, for Ronda Rousey moving forward. Um, and if this is another lengthy reign that goes to mania, I think that's fine too. Right. Uh, it, as long as it's it, this version of Ronda, who I think is going to continue now to develop, um, and become the heel that we thought she could be, uh, mm-hmm. when she originally signed back in 2019. For sure. Like. There's definitely good in the fact of Ronda being the the champion moving forward. Um, I wouldn't even call it a lengthy reign considering it's October to what, March? Yeah, so March, It's April. a five-month reign, but there's a lot of important cards that are going to happen between now and then. I mean, if you... I'm counting Crown Jewel as like a major event because it's... Sure. It, they, they've made it a major event It's now. treated as such, even though... There is there are pockets of the internet wrestling community that are very against what Crown Jewel is. If you're looking at it in the lens of WWE, this is a major major event. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at other events that have taken place at Saudi Arabia. Like, <laughs> I believe Bray Wyatt won the title on Halloween mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia. Right. So lost um, it there. Like they, they've made it over the last year or so before it was kind of like an uncannon show. And now it's definitely like a canonized major event. Like stuff happens there. So, you know, whether you morally eject, whether you, you know, don't want to watch whatever it is. Right. Um, I don't think it's deniable that it is a, a, a big show as far as WWE storylines and matches go over there. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, where did you want to go next? Or I guess it's, it's up to me. Um, well, it's it, either way. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good things to talk about. Um, I'm gonna get to something we might differ on. Okay. Uh, and again, hate to just go, uh, you know, right down the card, but it's kind of just how things have fallen. Um, Mr. KKK, uh, killer Karen cross is just not my dude. Not my style. Um, yeah, I, I like I get the idea of having like kind of a big bad for the next two or three months for Drew McIntyre to keep him occupied away from the title pitcher because mm-hmm. uh, McIntyre is such a strong presence that it's like why isn't this dude champion? Uh, so having him distracted by uh, by a bad makes sense. Right. Um, there's just something not really clicking for me, dog, uh, with this. And uh, for me, this match was a must skip and I could kind of logic pick the finish apart. Uh, some of the presentation of Killer Karen Cross. I'm not going to hear any more about how he's a main eventer or a top guy. Um, you give me a tippity top guy uh, who was continually bailed out by his female second. Um, and I, uh, I will sell you my house because I really can't think of one. As far as tippity tippity top guys go, right, and I get that. Um, I'm not saying that this is must skip, but it's definitely not watch. Like, like, and that kind of sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I don't think it was worth bringing up. Mm. Um, if, if that's the case, but if, if we're gonna, if if we have, if we're going to talk about it, I will. Um, again, like I'm here for the carrying cross presentation. I think that there is some work to be done with Karrion Cross on the main roster. Um, kind of along the same lines as Gunther, except Gunther kind of got it. Um, Cross is now going to be fighting real adult men mm-hmm. and not um, not like and not to say like Ciampa and Gargano aren't like real sized people. But Karrion Cross was big in NXT and he's getting dwarfed by Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels as though Cross is holding back a little bit, which is weird. Like he's, I know that in other conversations we like jokingly talked about like his strikes, 
and how he's not like fully committing to striking. And it came across the same way during the strap match too. Um, Drew knew how to swing that strap and really connect on Karrion Cross. And every time Karrion had to go around and use a strap, it felt like it was the first time he was ever doing anything with like a belt or a towel or anything. <laughs> like it, it, it was borderline comical, but I don't know if it's just he he is more comfortable in the character stuff right now and less comfortable in the ring doing sort of like ring stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that the character package of of Carrion and Scarlet couldn't be something that is absolutely utilized and and taken to another level in a WWE environment. But this is the first time like I'm saying it like the bell rang this time. Mm. And strap matches are one of those weird matches where you have to be you both have to be exceptional to have an exceptional strap match. And the strap has to be exceptional. All three of you got to work. Correct. And the strap showed up last night. And Drew showed up last night. Cross didn't. And it's a shame. I'm I'm not completely out on carrying Cross. I'm still I'm not as strong on him now. I feel as some of those some of that dust has picked up and moved somewhere else. <laughs> I think we'll talk about that later. Oh, um, we're picking it up and we're sprinkling it. Yeah. Um, but it, especially since I think that where we're sprinkling it is a direct competition to what Karrion Cross does on a regular basis. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll say this: uh, if I had stock, right? Let's say I had a hundred shares. I'm selling I would, half. I would sell about 80 but i would keep 20 uh i would keep 20 i would split it up i would keep 10 um in case this does pan out but i keep another 10 because maybe he's miscast maybe he makes a better baby face that which we haven't seen interesting he's never been presented as that and it's very weird because it's kind of along the same lines of like seamus and the brawling brutes Mm -hmm. nothing's changed about them except for the fact of who they're going against right and like, what if Cross does the doomsday stuff to Roman? People might be into that. Right. Um, Especially since like the stranglehold that Roman has had on the WWE at large all this time. But yeah. I just don't know like what other heels you would put Karrion Cross up against and he can still kind of be the the harbinger of like the harbinger of doom, the harbinger of sorrow, like the TikTok clock guy. I don't know. Yeah. Like he is very menacing and brooding. And like, I get it that you're, you're asking like former ultimate undertaker fan. How do you make dark and spooky guy? Good guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was a kid when undertaker did that. Because right now I feel like if he were to like, let's say I I think the next best heel after Roman might be Seth as far as like the WWE pecking order. But that's a big question mark because like if he faces Seth, Seth, who's the crowd crowd cheering, right? They're going to cheer Seth Rollins. Right. So it's like I don't know how many names you have to get before you get to a name and the crowd gets behind Cross as opposed to, you know, whoever that opponent is. But I think we're going to have plenty more opportunity to talk about uh, Mr. Sands and the Hourglass. So go the days of our lives, TikTok, spooky chains, leather strap now, uh, hot lady. But I think the strap is gone because Extreme Rules is done. Extra smoke. Tattoos, black and white, cool guy haircut. Yo, I don't know how many people. I, look, I heard somebody say that they didn't like carrying cross with hair, and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have thought more wrong. I'll say this: that. he's got a great head of hair. Man, I understand why Matt Cardona is upset at him. <laughs> I know exactly why. <sighs> um, what else is is good? Um, uh, yeah, you, you, you take this one. So I'm gonna go a little out of order because. 
to me, the other two matches aren't necessarily like super great. They're okay. good. Um, but I loved the fight pit. Okay. Um, it is a unique, it is a unique match style that even with how NXT presented it, it came across as even more unique in the WWE setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made it feel huge. They put it on in the main event. They had Daniel Cormier there. Um, stars aligned. Uh, I love the fact that it's like a two tier cage, but it's not a two tier cage. And there's like room to fight on top of the cage while staying in a cage. It is very toyetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this WWE fight pit. Um, and I feel as though this was like a blueprint type of match. I don't think we get this all the time, but I think mm-hmm. this is, a, I feel like this is a nice change of pace between your cage matches and your hell in a cells. Like Correct. if a match is, it's beyond cage match worthy, but it is not quite hell in a cell worthy. It gets us here. And I like it pit. being Matt Riddle's match too. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's, it takes special characters to pull this match off. Um, and you know, if it, if it just stays with Riddle, I'm totally fine with that. There's one other dude I want to see in a fight pit. Who's that? I want Bob Lashley in the fight pit. Oh, big Bob, big Bob, like big Bob Lashley in the fight pit, him versus, I don't know anybody, uh, just big Bob murking somebody in the, in the double cage. Um, it'd be sick. Yeah. Like it'd be so awesome. Um, but yeah, fight pit was awesome. Um, just the presentation of everything. DC being in there did not take away from anything. No, no. Um, and Seth Rollins doing like Seth Rollins playing MMA dude, but not really playing MMA dude. Um, yeah. But I also loved his RVD homage here. That was that was really cool. Uh, he's really like leaned into major events doing something to like really be a troll. Mm hmm. Whether it's the Cody dust, uh, the Cody uh, polka dots, or um, now this, like Seth is is finding ways to do what he's doing now. While I don't necessarily know what his character is all the time, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, sounds of freedom, sounds Ooh. of freedom, indeed. <laughs> too fast, too furious. Um, Tokyo drift out here. Yeah, and, and I think that the fight pit is must watch for more as the appearance, like for what the match is, who's in it, what it means. Riddle pulling out the first victory of this entire feud. Mm. Um, he has been on the short end of the stick this entire time, and finally he's able to get one up. Um, so, really cool. Um, but yeah, what about you? What do you got about, about the I'm fight pit? Gonna, I'm going to. I liked it, but I wouldn't give it a must watch though. So but, we're like we're the opposite side. Like it, it's the same story as like the Cross and McIntyre match. Right. Like to me, this was good. If I had to give it a star rating, I'd go like three and a half. I really enjoyed it. It's a really tough match to pull off. I thought they did great. I thought they did great delivering on it being a main event. Very tricky. But for me, not giving it must watch. But if you just put on the whole show and you're letting it play. I would say let this play like you're going to enjoy yourself, I think. Um, but other than that, like I agree with everything that you said, just at the end of the day for me, it's a it's it's, you know, it's not a must watch. I wouldn't say, you know, necessarily skip it, though. Um, I wanted to give some love to the ladder match. I, uh, you know, my, maybe this is true confessions time. I was very low on Bailey's 2020. Uh, a lot of people were very high on Bailey. Uh, she was getting lots of TV time. Um, the ding dong hello stuff started coming along. Um, but she, it, there were some growing pains there. And with like her teaming up with Sasha and them really dominating the television, that wasn't for me at all. Um, but something started to click right before she got injured. 
And I was like, okay, we're heading somewhere. And since she has been back, I could not enjoy Bailey's work anymore. She is truly on a special level. And the two styles in this match really made the contest for me. And commentary, uh, shout out to them all night. They delivered. Uh, commentary, I thought, told a great story, which was also, you know, uh, they highlighted a great story that was being told in the ring. And that was that Bailey is trying to sucker Bianca in to have a ladder match. Bianca is going to shoot up this ladder very quickly because she is athletic. I don't think we got like the slow, dramatic wrestler climb too many times out of, B- uh, out of Bianca, if at all. Um, Bailey's trying to sucker her in and make, make the match go deep because the longer the match goes, the better the chances of Bianca making a mistake are that Bailey can capitalize on. And when Bailey is on offense, she's targeting the back and she's targeting the knees to slow down Bianca's athleticism and explosion. Bianca, when she's on offense, she's quick, she's explosive, and then she's trying to shoot up the ladder real quick. And then she might make a mistake and engage Bailey in having a ladder match. Instead of going up, she puts the ladder down. She tries to do a couple moves, ends up backfiring. I thought that was great storytelling throughout the match. Um, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's not even uh, painted in like big, bold colors. But just having two different styles, I thought really made the match. I loved the interference at the end. I thought that was a good play. Surprised to see Bianca pick up the win. I don't know where they go from here. Because I thought this was the time to kind of strap up Bailey and to go with damage control as your top heels throughout the fall and to get us into the winter. Um, so, yeah, curious to see how they move forward uh, with all parties from here. But I'm going to give this a must watch. I was really impressed. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I thought for a ladder match, it was it was really, really good. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of like it was it was a it was a good match. I'm not going to take away from that, but I wouldn't necessarily call it must watch. Um for the fact of um the the questions that are left behind of where do you go from here? Mm-hmm. Um Bianca made short work of damage control 3 on 1 after like 20 minutes in a ladder match. Um we got sick of that with John Cena. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. We got sick of that with a lot of big baby faces in the past. <laughs> Are we getting to that point? Like, I feel like this was the point in which you do put the title on Bailey. Right. Um, and, and at least give Bianca the chase. And like, I don't know if the chase goes all the way to WrestleMania or if the chase is even shorter and goes just a crown jewel. Um, I feel as though that was something um, kind of to ask you a question. Like, I don't I don't see that big of a difference in Bailey now and Bailey in 2020, aside from the fact that she's not with Sasha Banks. Like, is your 2020 skewed with Bailey? Because when she was in the peak of her run, she was alongside Sasha Banks and like you and I both have like Sasha fatigue. No, I think in 2020, you know how when WWE try like turn somebody heel they have to become whoever like the current best heel is. So for example, in 2008, 9, 10, if you turned heel, you had to turn into Chris Jericho. You had to start wearing a suit. You had to start using big words. Uh, you had to be stoic. That's what they did with Bailey. I thought Bailey for no reason was suddenly stoic. She would stare into the camera. She was wearing like the head garb thing. She right. had like a majestic theme that didn't really fit. Like nothing was really adding up. It was just a lot of parts being thrown together um and i thought her in-ring work was okay she just hadn't figured it out yet for the new okay. character now she's put it all together she's using being obnoxious um she's not really stoic anymore she's egging on the crowd like this is all stuff and i i think she's working working smarter too um i think her work is a little bit more focused and consistent uh when she's putting on a heat as opposed to like when she was a heel, I thought uh, first time around, I thought she was just trying to like find ways to get her stuff in. Now it's less about getting her stuff in, and it's more just about like putting a good heat on, uh, right. and getting a reaction from the crowd. I get you. Like I, I, I understand that. I just, I, I don't see where the difference is really in between the two. Um, but yeah, you're you're entitled to your own opinion. Not saying you're wrong. Not saying I'm right. Um. Do we have any thoughts on, like, I mean, there's only one more match left to cover. We might as well cover it. 
Yeah. Uh, the I Quit match. Was this another forced edge classic or was this actually good? <laughs> so I. Oh, I don't know I where thought, to go. Like, I know I, that I know that we talked about like the the PNC. Yes. I need more time on this one because like the, the match was good, but was it forced good? Was it nostalgia good? Like what about it was good that like stands out? Like Edge and Finn did great, but I don't know. So this is something that like. uh JT and Scott are talked about over at a uh, place to be podcast where they're going through a lot of like edges, like Oh eight, Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh nine, like right around there. Um, this is always, I think this has always been like a strength of edge too, is that his character really, uh, prevails when like chaos is going on. Like that's edges strong suit. Um, and a lot of times that chaos happens in the finish. So you're just kind of waiting to get to the finish in an edge match. Uh, because that's where he does his best work. And I thought that's how this one went too. And I didn't feel like, don't feel like you have to watch the first 20 minutes. But the last 10 minutes <laughs> is five stars. Yeah. Yeah, like I feel like that's that's the prime example. Uh, Dominic Mysterio is fantastic right now. Dom Mysterio has been unlocked. And also, Michael Cole on commentary is channeling his, like, 2000 Jim Ross with how indignant he is <laughs> at Dominic Mysterio's actions and disrespect. I don't know what kind of demons Michael Cole is exercising, <laughs> but it I feel sorry. great entertainment. I'm sorry that he's working through his previous trauma on television looking through Dominic and Rey Mysterio, but it's great. I'm fine with it. <laughs> um yeah, Dom is fantastic. Everything's great. Um, good to see Beth Phoenix back. Um, having her be an integral part of the match, including the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of hated the finish because uh, it's just so tropey. Predictable, right? I don't quit. Oh, you're going to beat up my wife? I quit. Oh man, they got her anyways, man. Yeah. At least like hit her. Like it would have been less predictable. Like don't give him a chance to say I quit and like hit her and like, all right, all right, stop, stop. And like he quits to go check on her. Not I quit. Don't hurt her. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit her anyways. Just do it. Like, but yeah, that's a nitpick. I feel like that's more of a nitpick and like a more for me. Then, like, mm-hmm. I don't feel that, that should like take you away from what wh- what transpired. You know what I mean? All right. It, it was. We talked about this earlier off air. Um, sometimes in wrestling, like, don't overthink it. And this was just overbooked, but it was overbooked paint by numbers. It was like the exact is is the overbooking special. Yes, you could pinpoint every step that was about to happen but it was all logical mm-hmm. and the timing was excellent and that's like a true mark of edge like having his fingerprints all over this finish um great drama man it was really entertaining television the crowd was heated uh <laughs> you know Dom mysterio has some of the best heat in the business and um the other thing i'm taking away from this is while judgment day is not for me they found a way – we might have talked about this on one of the other previous episodes. But this is without question. This is Rhea Ripley's group. Um, even though she's not the lead, this group only benefits her. I think she's the only one that is thriving right now. Um, and um, that's not not because of the group. Um, I wouldn't say in spite either. But ways to – make her more of a character and we see her interact not in a wrestling match it, it's just making her a bigger star right uh, and keeping her special uh she was very overexposed and she's still so young she's got plenty of time to wrestle um 
and there's plenty of talent. Like we don't need her in the ring wrestling. Like this is the that good sports entertainment stuff that not everybody gets. So I love what they're doing with Rhea. I love that they're taking her time, letting her simmer. And if she doesn't have a big match until next year, I mean, I think her and Beth are going to clash at some point this year. That's going to be a big match. But if that's it till we get to WrestleMania season trademark, fine with me. And Dom Mysterio, like you said, Dom has, has really benefited, but that's because of Rhea. Yeah, like it's it's awesome. Like it, it, it's really good. Um, so let's talk about let's bury the lead. Let, let's bury the lead. I don't want to say that this is must watch or must skip. Like because that decision was already made for you. Mm-hmm. Like. This was the impossible to miss. Why would you think about skipping? If for any reason other than like all of the hype around it. Um, so the end of the fight pit happens. And DC and Matt Riddle dap each other up like Dutch. Uh and then all of a sudden the lights go out, the lights go out, the lights go out. And we get a familiar voice singing a familiar song. There's that music, brother. Oh, uh, there it is. And it's it's the voice of Bray Wyatt singing He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. Um without going through beat by beat and like retelling everything. Mm-hmm. Um was this return more, less, or exactly what you expected from the payoff of the White Rabbit? I mean, push. It was. It was. It was what I expected. Um, it was just. It was cool to see them. It was cool to see something that the audience was so invested in. So I was invested in it. Um, yeah, I. I have hope. And maybe I need help because I have almost 10 years of prior documentation to tell me otherwise. Uh huh. But I have hope <laughs> that this run is different. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Bray Wyatt is his father's son. You get him in past 10 minutes and you're looking at a 1987 Captain Mike Rotundo match. Okay. I, I, I don't want to see this guy go over 10 minutes, but two times a year. Okay. I have hope that this is something different. I have hope that we get a different presentation. And furthermore, I have hope that whatever vision Bray Wyatt has of how he is presented, that it is closer to his vision start to finish uh, with as little interruption as possible, except where needed. Right. I feel like. With a lot of his returns, a lot of his storylines in the past, the start is very good, and then you get lost in the plot somewhere. And I I think that is where one person's vision and another person's vision, who's no longer there, get intertwined. And that's where Fiend stuff gets off course. And I just hope it's different. When the Fiend became a money-making venture... And mm-hmm. less of a wrestling character. Um, especially when they did Fiend the sequel, Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely felt less true to the story. Um, specifically to what you saw. Like, I understand, I, I understand, like, the prognostication of where things are going to go with Bray Wyatt. But as far as, like, the presentation of what we saw... Was that like, do you feel that things are going to be different? Yes. Like based on what you saw. Yes, because I feel like all this stuff with the characters and all of the, hard to call them Easter eggs, more like dinosaur eggs, of alluding to the past. There's been a lot of shedding of skin in WWE uh, with Cody's return and other examples. I felt like this was a shedding of skin, many layers of old skin. And I want Bray Wyatt 
CrossFit bro. You know, like when on Twitter someone's like, oh, I ran into Bray Wyatt and they post like a gym picture. That's the dude I want. Like I want something closer to the person uh, with a little bit of this theatrical spooky sports entertainment. I want something closer to that. I think we're going to get there because I don't know what else can be done. Like I felt like we went so far in one direction with the spooky with the fiend that we have to go in an entirely different direction moving forward. Right. I think what it is, I think what's going to make this different is the one big flaw with the fiend is the fiend is and should have, or the fiend should have been unbeatable. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have to crack the luster on the fiend so soon and make him beatable in unrealistic ways, it hurt the character. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's no, there's no mask. There's no superpowers. There's nothing. It's, it's Bray in a facade in a new facade. And like, which means he's human. He's yes. flesh and bone. Yes. There's something there. I think he can still be spooky, but also be real. Um, I, I do. I know we get, we're going a little long compared to what we usually do for for viewers' choice, but um, online I saw someone say that this is the best return in WWE history in quite some time. Cody Rhodes was an April dog. That's what I said. And I'm I'm I just wanted to make sure it wasn't the narcotic talking <laughs> that like I I'll do you what better. LA night was on Friday. No, no, dog. No. <laughs> no. That's the other nightmare of narcotic talking. That, that's uh, the Nyquil. That's the LA Nyquil right there. I know. Um I thought uh, Reigns, head of the table at, uh, what was it, SummerSlam in 2020. Um, at more recently, as far as this year, I, th- I think Cody's uh, is going to s- withstand the test of time for quite some time as far as returns go. Right. I just wanted to make sure. Like, I'm not taking away from it, but I think it's, I think we're talking about two different things. Cody's return, people knew it was Cody, but they didn't know it was Cody. Mm-hmm. And there was still like debate on who it was going to be. And then the fact that we got the Cody, we didn't think we were going to see full regalia. But with Bray, it's like, this is the worst kept secret in the history of the world. We knew this was going to be Bray. We're saying if it's not Bray, we're disappointed. And like, we don't know what Bray we're going to get. But the Bray we got was pretty cool looking. Um, And it makes me look forward to Monday. So, do you have an MVP from uh, from Extreme Rules? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to my main man, Sheamus. Uh, I thought he was the linchpin of that match. Um, I thought he was the star, uh, super hot opener that revolved around him and his star power. And, uh, you know, they've got people hyped up for Sheamus to win the Intercontinental title. And it's going to end up being one of the top moments of the year when it does happen. Uh, and if you would have said that to me at the beginning of the year, if you would have said that to me last year, five years ago, ten years ago, I would have never believed you. Um, but yeah, they've done such a tremendous job with uh, presenting Sheamus, the group, the matches, uh, everything. Uh, I thought Sheamus was the MVP on this night. Uh, who's the MVP for you? So it's going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Okay. Tonight, or last night at Extreme Rules. WWE set up a match for WrestleMania 40. And to me, the MVP of the night wasn't a wrestler, wasn't a commentator. It was a big orange mascot. My MVP is Gritty. If I don't get Gritty versus The Miz at WrestleMania 40 as my celebrity match... I'll be upset. Gritty, like, tell me that wasn't like, we go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. 
they gave us exactly the beats of like big masked character moving along. But Gritty has so much personality that like the Miz through line would have sucked had it not been Gritty. Oh, I I wish I hope that there are betting odds (laughs) because I would hop all over the opportunity. Yes. Um, I would be surprised if Gritty versus The Miz is not this generation's Kane versus Pete Rose. Yes. Slash San Diego Chicken. Right. I want Gritty versus The Miz at WrestleMania so bad. Strap up Gritty, WrestleMania. Yes. WrestleMania XL with the big bell. That's that's exactly it for me. But if if I'm being all honest, it's Sheamus. But Gritty is my, my heart's number one. Number one in your heart. Number one in my heart. Number one on the podcast. Uh, let us know where we went wrong or what you think. Uh, let us know in the show, the, the the comment section here on the North South Connection Podbean feed. Um, let us know on social media at T and M shows. Um, that is where you can find our pod, this podcast and so many others on Twitter. Uh, uh you can email us at viewerschoicepodcast at gmail.com for what you think we where we think where you think we went wrong. Um, but we are proud to be on the North South Connection. Uh NorthSouthConnection.podbean.com. So many podcasts, so much listening uh productivity um between Aaron George and the wrestler that was No Holds Barred. Um, so many things, so many, uh, different time periods of wrestling that are covered. Mm -hmm. Um, even the weekly, regularly, regular comment content that covers the day to day happenings of wrestling between clotheslines and headlines 2.0. And you know what that means, uh, between WWE and AEW, uh, happenings every other week on the no. So, uh, so much to cover. So, Give us a listen. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Be there. If you want to follow us on social media, you can. The aforementioned TNM shows for the podcast in general. At Not The Tool Man for myself. At The Wrestling Speakeasy for Marcus. If you know, you know. And we will be back here for Crown Jewel. I think this might be your first Saudi show that you're actually going to cover with me. I think so. Get ready. Lock in. Um, But uh, no matter what we say or do, always remember. The choice is yours. Yeah.